Hey James. Hello Jake. Hello person with their ear holes full of us. Welcome we... to your to your morning. Yeah. Welcome to your morning. You always assume it's the morning. No, for other you people. always assume it's the morning. You I literally you just time. said welcome to your morning. Yeah, but like last time you said welcome to the. It was like night time, and I said that it wasn't night time. I'm so glad we're like starting that. with a scuffle. You. <laughs> Hello, person Hi, listening. Listeners. We know it isn't the same time for you as it is for us currently. You might be on a plane, and it could be a different time zone. It could. You could be finding this in the future, <gasps> or the past. What? Maybe it's a circle. Maybe times a circle. Everything, everywhere. All at once. Okay, I wasn't intending to set James up for a segue everything to talk is about a segue this segue into everything, everywhere, all at once because it's everything, everywhere, all at once. I saw everything, everywhere, all at once yes, last night. <laughs> and let me tell you, I thought it would happen all at once, but no, it, it is longer than two hours. I have refused to engage with any media that wants to like talk to me about multiverses or the notion of circular time ever since seeing Arrival. Arrival? What? Wait, that's a great film. What? But, but it should have been a short film. But... No. You continue talking about your multiverse palooza. No, I, I, sorry. I'm sorry to completely derail this uh, no, intro. It. Hi, people. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is an incredible film. I saw it last night. I fucking loved it. Michelle mm-hmm. Yeoh is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. Um, yeah, you should all see it because it's amazing. <laughs> Great. Okay, <laughs> I don't quite feel like I'm sitting opposite Margaret Pomerantz. But yeah, that's... you're not meant to be. I'm James, your friend. Anyways, all beast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome to Praise Dionysus, where we where we talk about you know theater in Melbourne and mm. other nonsense, also and everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh my god! Yeah, mainly, <laughs> seemingly mainly. Statistically, it's occupied most of the airtime well, thus takes, far. It takes everything. All at once. Everywhere. I'm slowly grasping the premise You're of this movie. It. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we, yeah, we talk about theatre without reviewing it. Um, great. Okay, well, if you had to give your past week a rating out of five stars, what would you give it, James? Five stars. God. Well, my week's not been too good. Oh, um, I was sick again. Oh. Sick again, sick again. Um, because I, uh, for fair listeners, I've started working at a hospital. Um, and I think my body is just getting used to the breeding ground for germs that a hospital is. Mm-hmm. My mum always said, if you're sick, don't go to hospital. Oh. Because that's where the germs live. Right. Yeah. So where would she suggest that we go? Stay home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just getting fearful. For some reason I'm worried, what if someone's listening to this (laughs) while they're bleeding out? And they decide to listen to this podcast and then not go to To calm themselves down. What if they're like in an alleyway wheezing their last breaths and they hear your... Jake Stewart and James Harvey are not licensed physicians. No, exactly. That was the sound of Jake hitting me in the (laughs) face, everyone. Well, just because if they're hearing you paraphrasing Linda Hardy and it's like, I shouldn't go to hospital and then they die, that blood's on your hands. That blood is not on my hands. It's on their stupid hands and they're dead. So that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> so your past so week. my week's been good uh, It's not been great I was sick um, I had to call in sick to work Which always feels a bit guilty and shit um, But uh, before that work was fine um, I saw Yep Saw the movie last night Which was great mm-hmm. I had brunch with you and Olivia yesterday Which was really fun and nice sure. we, we had sandwiches mm-hmm. um, that, I, I guess out of five I'd probably have my week Like a genuine four like a genuine four, because we often hyperbolize with the, the five stars. But I mean, genuinely, out of five, I'd say a four. It's been good, but it could have been better. Okay, sure. You know, and I don't want to over-exaggerate this time, because I want to be serious, because I was sick. Right, which has brought everything into brought perspective. Everything, yeah, you know, I take life a little more seriously now. This podcast is going to be mostly me doing a lot of, hmm. Oh, you've been wizened. What, wizened? You've been wizened. Wizened, like a wizard. Jake, you're weak. Five My stars. Week. Don't call me weak. <laughs> I'm very strong. Yesterday, a woman on the tram approached me and was like, could you help me take my suitcase off the tram when the next oh, stop happens? She chose you. She chose me. That's she, fun. Yeah, she had to waddle like down the length of a tram to approach me because I was the burliest one on the tram. <laughs> I mean, you do have the appearance of an ogre. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm convincing myself that that's a compliment because I hear that feedback so often. Is Shrek an ogre? <laughs> yes. Oh, great. That's a compliment then. He has like five movies about him. Because Shrek is a sex icon. And spends the whole thing proud I mean, of himself? To or is that the opposite people, of the he plot? Is a sex icon. Okay, but what about Shrek himself? He's not super jazzed about the way people treat but him. But he likes it by the end of the movie. I'm sorry, what does he like about the end of I the know, movie? I know, I was just trying to use an excuse to use the accent. You um, wanted to show off that amazing Shrek impersonation? Is Mike Myers? Yes. Oh my god. I always forget it's Mike Myers. Um, you're Shrek. 
thank you, James. And how was your week, Shrek? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to pretend you mean Shrek from the musical. <laughs> yeah, Brian Darcy James. No, not Brian Darcy James. What? Because I can't stand him because of his performance in Smash. Again, I haven't seen Smash, so I'm not tainted by that. I love Brian Darcy James. Oh, I love Smash, and I'm therefore tainted by it, and therefore cannot stand Brian Darcy James. And I love he... Taint. You love Taint, and I couldn't stand the way that he played Deborah Messing's long-suffering husband, who just needed to leave and let her raise her vaguely autistic son. Is Deborah Messing in Smash? Yes, Deborah Messingston Smash. Is she one of the main characters? She's partners with Christian Borrell. They're like a writing partner. That's not how you say his surname, is it? Isn't it like Ball, Ball or something? Christian okay, Ball? you aren't even sure. No, I know, I know Christian... I, I, but I, you're I, so sure I'm wrong that you're willing to guess <laughs> I hate you and I want you to be wrong. <laughs> no, but isn't it like Christian Boyle? You're saying Boyle now? Boyle. Okay, again, you it's are Christian so sure Ball. I'm wrong. Yes. <laughs> I, my understanding is that it, it's Borrell, is okay. my understanding. That just sounds like a weird second name. Uh-huh. <laughs> Take that back. Yeah. Edit that out. Edit that out. No, no, that's good. I'm glad that there's a very short list of surnames you're willing to take seriously. Most of them are Smith. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You seem like, not that I know the elaborate history of this, but you know when those people were arriving on that boat and then the people were like, you have to change your surname because it sounds too Jewish or something? Wow. Okay, we're going to move I'm not on endorsing this, this moment in history. Jake's endorsing the, um, that. Yeah, Jake's endorsing that. That's my week. Sorry, I'm distracted by Smash now. My week was fine. I also went to the movies. Not to one-up oh, you or anything. <laughs> um, I saw the worst person in the world. And then after that you saw the movie. <laughs> so he, Jake saw a mirror and then he saw the film. Oh good. Oh. So I'm both an ogre and the worst. Yeah. Great. So, so what's that movie about? What's the vibe? The worst person in the world. It's a Norwegian movie. Um, it's a, and Without ruining anything. But oh. yeah. It's like a, a girl at the start of it. She's like 30-ish. She, uh, the, like, the opening couple of scenes is just, like, very brief, fast scenes. We just establish, like, oh, she's studying to be a doctor and doesn't want to do it. And then she starts being, like, a psychologist and then doesn't want to do it. And then she starts wanting to be a photographer and then she starts doing that. And then she meets a guy and then she gets, starts developing mixed feelings about the guy. Then meets another guy. And it was really devastating. It was, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, like, charming and strange. And I saw it with a tall Canadian guy. And, uh, yeah, we both had a positive experience. And then we had pasta afterwards. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I love food. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I tuned out to everything else, but I love pasta. Yeah. What sort of pasta? What sort of pasta? Mm. We had a three cheese gnocchi, and oh. we had... We originally were going to order some sort of, like, seafood fiasco, but then the waiter the, at Krenitis... Just to shout out Krenitis. Go on, Krenitis. Where's Krenitis? <laughs> like, just up Ligon Street. It's opposite oh, you La know Mama. it's good if it's at Ligon Street. Opposite La Mama. And then, yeah, this, like, young, sweet, kind of, like, vaguely bewildered waiter was like, you don't want that one. <laughs> That's, and I was like, okay, I'm glad. Okay, I'll just lie in your hands and you can tell me what pasta to eat. So what did you get instead? It was something. It was like, uh, it had a pink sauce, which I didn't realize what? was an option. Uh, it was like a penne. Sorry that you're all getting so hungry. Like a tuna, <laughs> tuna pasta? Because I know tuna pasta has a pink sauce sometimes. Uh, no, we did not order a tuna pasta at Crenidius. Um, Sorry, That'd be suicide. What? Um, what? Tuna pasta's great. For some reason, I just put my Samantha Jones hat on again. And I was like, a tuna pasta at Crenidius. <laughs> I'd rather die. This is the first time I've heard Samantha's surname, so I got a bit confused when you said Samantha Jones, but then I heard the voice and I caught back up. Oh, on. until now, it's just been Samantha. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Samantha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully it was Samantha Jones. Anyway, nice. uh, yeah, so I give my week, I don't know, a 26 and a half stars. Why 26 and a half? Um, um, because that's what I'll be turning on my next birthday. That's not how birthdays work. Yeah. And also, you are 30. <laughs> yes, I am. And I love it. <laughs> it's my favourite. Yeah. yeah, I woke up this morning and I had a twinge in my back and I was like, oh no, it started. What has, ageing? Ageing. Oh. My body's like, it's still hurting. My back still hurts. And I had to like, do the old man sort of, oh, as I got out of bed and sort of like stretch my back out. Oh god! It started, Jake. Mm-hmm. Down the ravages of time. Yeah, I mean, I can already see they've had their way with you, you old bitch. <laughs> you old you bitch. Old bitch. <laughs> I'm sick and tired. I I don't have any good content for you today. Great. Oh, good. Well, this will be a fun episode. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Everyone, tune in. Yeah. Okay. Let's get. It started, which is the censored version of a Black Eyed Peas song. Oh, yes. we both went for Black Eyed Peas. Yes, because yeah, and we both chose not to say the R word, which I think is very classy of us. <laughs> okay, before we before we dive into into talking about shows, James insists that we have some mopping up to I do. I don't <laughs> insist. Jake just said, "Let's no, record this," I don't think and I then starts accusing me. <laughs> Let's record this. Let's record this. It's better if I don't hear it before we go. Ah, uh, James insists that we do this. Okay, 
Uh-huh. Okay, you're colouring in cyst with something really dark. There's nothing quack, wrong with quack, this. Quack, Go ahead. What? What? So, go ahead. I just wanted to address... I've got a list, uh, a list of just a few things. Uh, the, earlier in one of the other episodes, we started it off with a joke about uh, the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we, and then we followed that up with both of us immediately doubting whether the Czech Republic exists. I never doubted that the Czech you Republic did. exists. You jumped on board. You didn't correct me. No part of me has ever thought, mm, is the no. Czech Republic not... <laughs> Listen to the episode. It's very it's very, it's very, very telling. We yeah. come across as people that don't believe the yes, Czech Republic is we real. absolutely do. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's also, I think, the same episode where we don't know how to do maths. Oh. So. <laughs> the one instance of that being the case. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the one one slip. A rare off day. The Czech Republic is a landlocked country of 10.7 million people. So to those 10.7 million people... We see you. We see you. <laughs> we know you're listening to this we podcast. We see you, baby doll. We want you to feel validated. Yeah. Um. So it's real. Mm-hmm. It's real. Great. Tick. Tick. <laughs> Myth busted. Uh, yesterday when we were at brunch, um, <laughs> our friend Olivia, yeah. who as it turns out, played fish... You aren't allowed to laugh while talking about fish from Cloud Street. <laughs> oh, just watch me. Listen, people. I played fish in her production of, of Cloud Street. That's all I'm going to say about that. Turns out fish dies at the end of that show. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, at the end of the Wesley production, he finished his monologue that mm. made it seem as if he was the one telling the story the entire time. Which he sure Out was. of nowhere, and then wandered off into the very expensive rain effect. Yes, um, and to and, apparently die. And you were confused as to what that was. Yes, yeah, so yeah. oh, why did he got all wet at death? The apparently, he returned death. to the water where he got his brain damage in the first place. Do you reckon if you drown, if you tried to drown himself again, maybe it would undo the brain damage? You think that's potentially what Tim Winton was going for? I don't know. I'm just saying. Do you think that could that happen? Are you asking a medical question? I mean, if someone we're apparently gets... able to give medical advice on the show. I'm just clarifying your question. Mm. So, hey Jake, this is me playing you. <laughs> it's good. It's hey Jake, good. so if someone's drowned themselves and given themselves brain damage from their near-death experience, yeah. do you think it's possible if they drown themselves again <laughs> to unbrain damage themselves? Yeah, I'm hearing it now, maybe cut this. You're bit. hearing that? Yeah, cut, cut it. <laughs> but that's fair enough. I feel like you were very much schooled by the idea of like if someone gets amnesia, you can just bonk them on the head again, head, yes. <laughs> and they'll get their memory back. That's the vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think he does just go to die. I think drowning's different to getting bonked on the head. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> Hello, James. Hi, James. Hello, James. Hi. I went to a fancy hotel. Oh, oh, much you, like you the monkey shoes? from Dun- <laughs> from Dunstan checks in. I went Wait, to a fancy, much like the monkey from Dunstan checks in. What's I went Dunstan to a fancy in? hotel. Dun- Dunstan checks in. Oh my god, you're the one person that doesn't know. Dunstan checks in what? is a movie that came out, I think, in the late '90s, and it's about a monkey. That what goes is to with a- the '90s and wanting to make movies about like animals going to hotels or babies being lost in the city for a day? It was the pinnacle of taste. <laughs> Ask the scholars. <laughs> Dunstan checks in. Jason okay. Alexander is running a hotel. His son befriends a, mo- befriends a monkey. <laughs> Any other stupid no, questions? No, no, I guess not. I've heard all I need to know. So anyway, you're the monkey. <laughs> much like Dunstan, I, I went you to a... I and I'm to, checking out. <laughs> I went to a fancy hotel. It's called the Westin. It's next to the Regent Theatre. I've heard of the Westin. Yeah, the Westin. It's the Bestin. I went to the Westin because Wait. that's like, like what's wrong? No, 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 no. Just putting together. There's a performance space in the Westin. Well, who who can say? I went to the Westin to see a comedy festival show. Uh, yeah, arrived much like <laughs> a, a normal hotel guest would. Walked in at the goddamn door. With your legs. <laughs> I'm only keeping the interesting details <laughs> in. Clip <laughs> off. Used to the door uh-huh. and then went inside. Was it like and a then, turn the handle door or push the It was so fancy that a man in an outfit opened it for me. Oh, ah. oh Dunstan. <laughs> what a big day. This, this monkey had <laughs> quite the day out. Someone should make a movie out of that. So a man in like a navy outfit opened a door for me and I walked inside. A What's navy wrong? outfit. Not from the Navy. Thank you very this much. is not an Anchors Away thing. No. What's Anchors Away? Anchors Away <laughs> is a Gene Kelly musical. <laughs> I Yeah, he opened the door, I walked in, and then had to immediately get in line because I was immediately lost. <laughs> so I had, <laughs> had to join this queue behind this like rich family that wanted to be seated for like a dinner service or something. I don't know. So I was behind them while they were like, Oh, Gillian, wash your hands. We're about to have dinner together. That was me playing the mother of this so family. You, your, your idea of rich people is <laughs> washing their hands. <laughs> no, you so what did you do? They're better than me. <laughs> I rubbed dirt on my hand. What are they touching that's so important? Boost my immune system, I do, for the winter. 
She told the little boy to sanitize his hands before dinner, which is valid. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. And then eventually I get to the front of this but it's queue. it's stuck with you. It stuck with me, apparently. I didn't realise I was going to be talking about this, but I am. Uh, yeah, get to the front of this queue. And then I'm faced with, you know, a, a, a woman that works at the Western Hotel. And like, excuse me, I'm, I'm here for the show. <laughs> And she's like, it's on level one. I was like, where's that? And she said, up the staircase right behind me. So I ascended the yeah, staircase. I've, I've got to say, the foyer <laughs> of the Western is not a confusing place. It you is. You walk in and there is a staircase literally right in front of you. Yes, but why would I assume I have to go up the stairs? So why would you ask where the stairs? Moments is? ago, you didn't know the Western was a performance venue. And now you have it all the answers. It still is not. I'm yet to hear otherwise, so continue. So I go up this staircase in Dunstan search of a show. City. Dunstan up the stairs. <laughs> Dunstan heads upstairs. <laughs> um, yeah, and I eventually, yeah, a woman checks my ticket. I show it to her and I'm in the right place. Well done. Thank you. I'm there to see Appalachian. I just want to make sure that I've said that correctly by looking at my, yep. It's That's called how the word said. Appalachian. Have yeah. you heard that word in your life? I have. I can't remember where though, but I have heard the word Appalachian. Appalachian. Yeah. So it's a show for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival by Ooh. Will McKenna. Um, Appa- <laughs> Wait, so where do you think you've heard Appalachian before? I honestly couldn't tell you. I just know that I have heard the word before because I think it was like rhyming with nation or something. It was like Appalachian nation. Is it because of the incest mountains? Stop staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, you know, I think it might be because I watched, um, uh, there's a a YouTube series called, um, Dead Meat and it's, um, James A. Janice, I think his name is. And he Mm. does like these review, he like... It's called The Kill Count, and it like, goes through horror movies and like does summaries of them. Mm-hmm. And then like counts how many kills there were and like rates the kills. It's like, it's like a fun way of watching horror movies without watching horror movies. And I feel like there's a, multiple movies set in the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Because it is like a hillbilly murder time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Hence, Incest Mountains. Incest Mountains. Great. And yeah. you have actually fallen into my linguistic trap. No! <laughs> it sounds the same, but it's spelled differently. So... No! <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, proof you are a fool. <laughs> Dunstan tricked me. <laughs> Clever monkey. Um, Appalachian spelt differently. And okay. so it's a word that I'd never heard in my life. And then looked it up, as one does. Um, Appalachian is the process of naming something. Oh. So what Will McKenna has cleverly done is called his one-man show the process of naming something. I mean, that's kind of fun. I think it's fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, I, if I had heard... Okay, so here's a question. I've heard Appalachian Mountains. I've heard the word Appalachian. So technically I have heard Appalachian because saying Appalachian is no different to saying Appalachian, right? If we we are pretending that words are never written down, I suppose... Yeah, but like even if you say Appalachian but you mean Appalachian, there's no way to know that I meant the other Appalachian. Are you arguing that because homonyms exist, yeah. you never made a mistake? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I am clinging to this straw. Let's put a pin in that one. Yes, uh, yep. Yeah. So, Will McKenna. Will McKenna, who people may know from, he was in MTC's Admissions that just closed. Yes. With Cat Stewart. That set looked amazing. I didn't see the set. It looked like a very fun... I'm only now realising they may have reused a bit of the Fun Home set. Carry on. <laughs> okay, we'll investigate that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's the exact same set. Sorry, go on. Okay, um, yeah, and also was obviously in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. As Scorpius. As Scorpius. The, the gayest wizard in town. The gayest wizard in town. God, why didn't they kiss? <laughs> why didn't they kiss? Well, there's, there is a line where Scorpius says, I'd, are we allowed to talk about this? We signed an NDA. An NDA. We did sign an NDA. All right. For those of you who don't know, James and I both worked at the same time at the venue where Harry Potter and the Cursed Child uh-huh. is on. We're both Slytherins. And we're, we're both forcibly th- sorted. <laughs> forcibly sorted into houses and mm. all of the fun gays got put into Slytherin. Which is not surprising because we're terrific. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And wait, what are you saying that we might not be able to talk about? Uh, the plot. Like, literally, I'm now just realising, are we able to talk about, like... That show, if we signed an NDA, like what bits of it are we allowed to talk about? James, this I didn't NDA, read that NDA. The NDA is pretty foggy to me. Also, I don't know if I believe in there being art that you aren't allowed to discuss. You say that, but we have signed a legally binding document. I don't know. <laughs> you keep saying those words, and I just. <laughs> I think I'm ready to go to jail for this. Even <laughs> <laughs> like, how much of the plot do you want to talk about? We're not talking about that. We're talking about Appalachian. What do you we're want to talk about? We're Harry talking Potter-wise? about um, either way. Wait. Um, so yeah. Okay. So I guess what were we saying? You were saying, well, I was saying I wanted Scorpius and Albus to kiss. Oh, and there's a line where, okay, I'll say it. There's a line where Scorpius is in like, they're in like a little watery hole after some shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And Scorpius is like, I'd rather be in any hole with you, Albus. It's like, that's gay. That's oh, that's that gay, is a gay thing to say. That's a super gay thing to say. <laughs> it's the gayest thing to say of all time. I wonder if the new abridged version will have more or less entendres. Probably less. Ugh. Oh. 
Or more. Or more. <laughs> They're the two options you're giving me. Anyway, see, I went into this with very little anything in my head as far as, like, Scorpius. <laughs> no, I was saying you would have gone in just having the idea of Scorpius. I just, and, 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 yeah, I just had in my head, oh, Will McKenna's good at acting and has good comic timing because he was... Best part of that show, really. He was the only thing that was reliably like, oh, this is an engaging component of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Nothing else was keeping me going. The magic, I will say I liked the magic. It was good magic. Interesting magic. Yeah. Plot? What plot? Oh my god, ah! savage bitch. Of course you're a Slytherin. Oh, the centaur. The, the centaur that you shouldn't trust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't trust that centaur, Harry. God, we cannot just be giving people a parade of in-jokes about how bad the plot of Harry Potter on the first child is. That centaur. You trusted that centaur, you dumb bitch. Far, <laughs> far. That's me being the centaur. Oh, great. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, um... Because yeah, you went to see Appalachian. We need to devote some time to talking about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child do. at some point. I think we do. Um, it's what the people want. <laughs> so yeah, Appalachian, sitting there, go in. It's like, it's it feels like like a little hotel room in the way of like, but like one of those like corporate hotel rooms where it's like, you can have your meeting here if you want to. Oh sure, like, you know? like a rentable conference room. Went into this room where there was like, yeah, a bunch of chairs laid out in like a dense semicircle and then like a little risen platform. Okay. Um, yeah, so we all went in and then I... Sort of like sat down, kind of like three rows back, kind of centrally, leaving enough space between me and this like mother and her little son to keep them comfortable. And then they. <laughs> because <laughs> you thought they might think you were going to eat them. You know how earlier I was an ogre? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm putting it together. <laughs> I'm aware of this. <laughs> and don't want mothers to think I'm going to chop their sons. grind your bones. Exactly. I don't want people to feel afraid. So, yeah, so I gave them enough space to not let the little boy be fearful of ogre consumption. <laughs> but then they, like, slithered on closer to me. Slither in? They slithered in, did they? They slithered in. I don't know whether or not they needed something to be lifted for them, but they came closer to me. Right. They ended up sitting right beside me because it was a better sightline for the tiny boy. Okay. So that's this my good fact, story. Good just, just in the sense, of like that will then color my ongoing experience because I wanted to laugh for the benefit of the little boy. <laughs> oh, I see. Having a little boy next to you does change things. Yeah, like not <laughs> James. No, it's true. Having a little boy next to you changes the context of what you're doing because there is a young presence in the room. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And a delicious young presence. Oh my god. Gotta eat him. Yum yeah. yum yum. Uh, and yeah, so I, I wanted to <laughs> laugh in order to help this young boy have a fun time at this one man show. Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, and then yeah, Will arrives to perform, like pretending that he is late for the show, pretending that he's just like some guy. Um, and then yeah, gets up on stage, and that is sort of the beginnings of us understanding, like, oh, this show's different to other ones in that it's a bit like meta theatrical. I'm like aware that it's a constructed piece of theatre. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is a tone that you're more into than I me. I love a bit of meta theory. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm yeah, on board. so then the thing then proceeds to be kind of like, the, as far as it functioning as a piece of theatre, like there's a lot of like the sound effects informing what happens on stage, him engaging a bit with the sound and the lighting operator. Is like, it like a bio box or something? What's, what's the vibe? No, of the this sound? is like a, like a desk sitting at the back of the room. It's a man with a computer. Yeah, I think his name was Julian. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, they they had a fun back and forth. But yeah, oh that's nice. It was that, and it was yeah, kind of like the whole thing was kind of like consciously fragmented and not super. I'm trying to say three things at once. I'd say Do one. I'm saying one thing. One thing. So one large thing that I kind of like kept coming back to in my mind just as the show took shape was it kind of like started. And one of the early segments of it is him almost doing beat poetry. <laughs> oh. Talking you through, again, a form you have more patience for than me. Uh, excuse, okay, I'm going to stop you right You are there. a beat Why poet. Why the fuck do you think I'm into beat poetry? Because I'm, I'm not, and so by comparison you'd have to You're be. either a Jake or a James. Da, 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 da. I hate beat poetry. Oh good, we both so hate beat poetry. Much. So this was something akin to beat poetry. Okay, I'm um, sorry. But it had, no, but it had more charm okay, than that. sure. Yeah, um, yeah it was just, it was how he was delivering the information and he kind of walked us through his like first couple of jobs and the beginning of his life. In, oh, okay, like he was sort of getting up to speed. Like his teen years. It's like, okay, I did yeah. this and then I did this and then this all this happened as well uh, and that was it wasn't the whole show no okay. no I, there was a moment where I was worried that it would happen <laughs> and I was like mm, I'm not a Dr. Seuss guy like, push this little boy over and walk away yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um, but yeah so then he sort of like gets us via beat poetry to him getting a job in a call centre and then the call centre and like phone calls at the call centre then kind of become ways for him to punctuate the the stories that he then oh, tells beyond that the, and the ideas the he has. Publicity photos of him with like a bunch of phones all over him, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So sure, that's sure. that. Because um, I really like that photo. Yeah, it's a really nice photo. Yeah. Um, of Will McKenna. He's very good at phones. doing... Will, I feel like Will McKenna is very good at doing that sort of slack-jawed, sort of confused, dead-in-the-eyes look. 
Do you know what I mean? In the way of sort of like... <laughs> you know when you slap a hillbilly? No, Will nails no, that no, look. No, no, no. A willbilly. No, no, no. I just mean that sort of like... It's like a really great sort of like looking off at the middle distance sort of... I don't know. Sort of vague It sounds like expression. you're just calling him handsome. Well, he is handsome. But he, I don't know. He's very good at sort of that... Uh, I've, I have fucked myself here. <laughs> There's no way I can make this sound good, can I? Okay, I'm I'm gonna save you by cutting into this breakdown. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, what was it? Yes. Yeah, so a thought that kept re- like reoccurring to me, especially during this opening sequence, I suppose, was the because I've kind of had this long-held belief that it would be really interesting if everyone at some point in their lives were like forced to make a show oh, or like yeah. either like write a novel or like put on a cabaret. Like everyone should have to do it yeah. just because it would be so interesting yeah. to watch everyone's cabaret. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. That's such a funny idea. Yeah. And so this in a way almost felt like he'd been not forced to, but like took it upon himself. Like, okay, I'm going to do a cabaret in the exact mindset that I'm currently in. And this is the stuff that's just going to like come out. Like maybe he had like one stimulus that was like, take your like late teens, early twenties and make it into a show that is in some way it illuminates a thing that you've recently learned or started to believe or something. And it was kind of like mapping that for us. Yeah. That, that idea, sorry, I'm just coming back to that idea of mm. um, everyone making, is there like, is there a reality show out there already that exists where people are forced to make like a little, like 20 minute cabaret sort of vibe and just do it? Cause that would be fun. I'd watch that. The closest I can think of is search for the next doll, which was mm. a, a series yeah. where they were trying to find the next pussycat doll to put into the pussycat dolls. <laughs> and did they have to write a monologue? <laughs> it was like it's the closest that I could think of, just in terms of they had to perform weekly, and that's just a that's a singing show, right? It's a singing show, but it was also there was a lot of like creativity involved, and they had to have like ideas for the artistry. The pussycat dolls is more of a creative process than you would think. It absolutely. Yes. No, I agree. I, yeah. I, I love them. But yeah. I, I, okay, sure. That's the closest. You... It's an example. Sure. sure. Well, yeah. There are of course like like little like writers' festival things and whatnot where people get together and challenge themselves to make art in twenty four hours and stuff. Like that's a thing that absolutely. That, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that m- made me think. Like, I'm curious if you were told that you have to have a cabaret ready by like next week, and it has to have the format. Uh, not that Will's did. Has to have the format of just talking and songs. You get like a pianist and like a basic stage. What would like the opening song be, and what would be like the overarching premise? Oh my god, Jesus! Um, have you thought about this? Do you have an answer straight away? Uh, no, I, I just thought it was an interesting question. Yeah, I started running through my head of like different people that I know and what I think they would do. Jesus, you've really put me on the spot. That's um, <clears throat> listeners, play along at home and see if you can do this. Um, I guess. Okay, so how long does it need to be? Ignore that part. It seems like I need open. So I need like the audience just sat down. What is the opening song that they hear? The opening song would be. Mm-hmm. My brain is drawing nothing but blanks right now. Um, Jake, I can't think. What would you do? What you you answer this question? Come on. Me answer this question right now. Um, just because of what we've recently been talking about, I'd say like a, like a really slow, sultry version of "Buttons" by the Pussycat Dolls okay. is my instinctive, immediate answer. Sure. Um, because I, I don't know. I guess because I've been thinking a fair bit about like intimacy lately, and buttons is like a funny take on <laughs> you know sexual satisfaction, and so I think that could be like a nice, enticing way to begin like a, like a smoky cabaret. Yeah, I like that, that. I guess would be about my my current feelings towards intimacy and and yeah and you know and the sexuality i think is something really that's currently awesome. on my mind a fair bit so yeah a sultry buttons <laughs> and then you know an opening monologue about that situation that's a great answer thank you i don't know what it would be called but would it not just be called ogre <laughs> Shit, i was working on it. I was working stop on it. that ogre <laughs> <laughs> quickly kill that ogre <laughs> yuck yuck what a what a shit ogre mm. and then in parentheses ew an ogre. What about Shrexual healing? <laughs> no, that's bad. But <laughs> no, that's, something that no, that's good. showcases that I know I'm an ogre. So what's your Shrexual desire? <laughs> um, I want your Shrex. You, you need to answer this question. Yes. Jake, I don't know why my brain is just paused. Um, I would do Spooky by um, I think it's Dusty Spring. Is Dusty Springfield? Is that her name? I don't know. That is a person. I don't know if she sings a song called Spooky. <laughs> Don't know the words. Sure. It's a great song. But you'd learn them and that would be the opening number. <laughs> that would be the opening number. I just like that song. And what will the whole cabaret be about? Whole cabaret would be about just, um, I guess, 
it would be a very boring, mundane topic of... I think it would be mostly about feeling boring and mundane and being a boring and mundane person. Okay. And sort of, like, navigating that and wanting to feel like you deserve more, but not wanting to feel like you want people to think that you deserve more. Okay. This is not a topic that I think is fun. Sure, <laughs> but it sounds complicated. Yeah. Which could make it a really interesting cabaret. Sure. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> from this. Um, yeah, but yeah, he talks about things like... Um, sort of like charming, like moderately sort of like familiar topics. Like he compares the AFL to the Mardi Gras. It shows the way that they're like, co- like they have things in common, but they're also different. Kind of like the, like the homosexualness of the AFL as an enterprise. Pretty gay. It's pretty gay. It's all about um, balls. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, what's yeah. That, what's that footballer's name? Bailey, Bailey Smith? Bailey Smith. Yeah, no, yeah, Ooh. no. The other day I was Ooh. collaborating on like a like a piece of writing based on Bailey Smith. What? <laughs> no, go on. It was like, I was at like Frenzy Theatre recently ran a workshop for a bunch of like, like female present, is a female present? I looked at the terms wrong. Uh, like yeah. a bunch of women and like LGBTQIA yeah. plus individuals. I was one of them. It was a really, really wonderful time. And me and my pal Chanda, she's wonderful. We were just like sitting around and had to like collaborate on something. And the two of us, uh, chose like a person from the media that we both found. We were exploring the idea of crushes and we kind of like picked a person. I don't know if we were, it wasn't even crushes. It was people that people are obsessed with. So mm. she, she chose this like TikTok celebrity and I chose Bailey Smith of whom I know very little beyond his cotton on campaign. It's a good campaign. It's a good campaign. I buy a lot of It's focus on. pulling. They yeah. did. Bloody works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Why are we talking about Bailey Smith? Because he's fucking hot. Oh my god, you're god, right. hot. Fuck! <laughs> um. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, so with uh, my major takeaways from Will McKenna's appellation uh, were just like... Will McKenna has terrific, like, comic timing. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. And then at the end, I did almost cry at the final moments. Oh. So that's... Yeah, which is... Unsurprising, but still pathetic. I mean, <laughs> you're an emotional mess. <laughs> Thank you. That's all that. But yeah, yeah, there was a beautiful, like, ending, sort of, like, messagey moment um, that I thought was quite touching. So, that's, that's that on that. That's that on that, sis. Yes, and let us know what what, <laughs> what your immediately cobbled together cabarets would be. I'm so curious. <laughs> I want to hear titles. Titles would be great. Yeah, yeah. Opening numbers and overarching vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah! Yay! <laughs> James, you okay? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, me talking again. Because we've done a flip-flop. Last week it was just you seeing shows and Don't me talking. we've done a flip-flop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we've not done that. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad I have you here to scan everything I say for no, sexual stuff. Just make sure. <laughs> what are you saying? It's time. Um, we, we've swapped role. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> This is why gay men shouldn't be friends with each other. It gets too hot, too fast. Too spicy. Too sweaty. Um, so, flip-fucking. <laughs> we flip-fucked. Um, we, yeah, so last week you saw a bunch of shows and I just sat there and looked at you and now mm. we're doing the opposite of that. Which so I great. saw three shows. And here's my second one. Go on. So I went to the MC showroom again. Oh, Remember that place that we only half believe is real? And it's got a hole in the roof. It, oh my God. You and this hole. It's got a hole in the roof. I don't think you're right. <laughs> well, they may have fixed it since last time, but they did have a hole He's immediately backpedaling once no, I push back. I was just saying it did have a hole in the roof. I went to the MC showroom. Terrific. Uh, uh, I'm uh, so glad. Got there early Dunstan again. Dunstan goes to the MC showroom. <laughs> Dunstan does. <laughs> <laughs> um, went to the MC showroom and I need to get the title up because otherwise I'll get it wrong. Um, give okay, me just a moment. Um, so Smelling Good Productions, <laughs> which I think is a fun name. It's a fun name. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, so their, their show is called The Annual Chumsville South North Tavern Inn Open Mic Night. You would have gotten that wrong. Yes. No, Thank I you, James. Endless faith in me. Um, the Annual Chumsville South North Tavern Inn Open Mic Night. Okay, great. Okay, great. Yeah? Do okay. you immediately have feedback about the title? I immediately think it's going to be a goofy, fun, silly time. Great. I hope. That's what I'm imagining from the title. Okay, terrific. Yeah, so, yeah. Went to see it. Went inside. Sat in the goddamn seats. And... Uh, as how, we was talk, fo- how was the foyer? The foyer, uh, it was... Because okay. last time you had a lot to say about the MC show. <laughs> I have less to say about the foyer this time, maybe, great. because I'm, you know, desensitized to it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, yeah. The doors opened. We were instructed to go inside. I did so because I love following a rule. Dustin <laughs> plops on in. Uh-huh. I goes. went in, sat alone. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the two guys. So it was Connor Dariol. And there's an initial in the second guy's name. I don't want to get the wrong initial in there because that might be an entirely different person. So Connor Dariol and William L. Boyd are the two guys in the show. Great. Uh, yeah, so the two guys are on stage when we go inside. 
Um, people are really into presets they love nowadays. Presets. It's a good band. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with all of my people. Is that Prodigy? Is that Prodigy? Down with all of my people. I don't know. It could be Wolf Mother for all it's I know. It's not. It's one of those two. It's presets or Prodigy. Well. I went in, and the two of them are preset on stage, sort of like dicking around. Like there's like a whiteboard, and they're like it's the list for people to sign up for an open mic night, and they're sort of like playfully writing each other's names on the sign up sheet, Cute. and they're just kind of like. And I thought it was super charming because not only did it sort of like give you an idea of because these two people are like total strangers to me, mm. um, it was nice to see like get a sense of what what at least looks as if it's conveying their real life relationship, which is something quite like lovely and funny. Mm. Um, and, and then it also, because they were also decked out totally in like black outfits. It was like, <laughs> it felt why you laugh. No, it's just like, that's a very, is that meant to be like an immediately sort of theater vibe? Well, that's how it felt. Yeah. And it really felt like it took me back to like my undergrad days of my bachelor of performing oh. arts. And it was like, Oh, this really feels like, yeah, at least at this point, feels like walking into like two pals that have put a show together and like it's just kind of like their classmates sitting around to watch what they've done. That's so nice. And um, it felt so nice. I don't have university to fall back on, so my go-to for Theatre Blacks is mostly um, SNL. <laughs> sure. The, 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 is it like the university... What's oh, that, those high school productions where the high school productions they're really they're socially like, aware. And guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how it sort of began. We were sitting there and then, yeah, and then the show started and then what it then, and then, so it starts and, <laughs> and they run us through. That's a good beginning. Yeah. Yeah. They've nailed it with this one. Yep. Yeah. They, and they run us quickly through the history of Chumsville. Okay. And the idea of Chumsville is that it's like, there's this schism that occurs and it separates North and South Chumsville from each other. And yeah, they just very rapidly run us through the tensions that exist and the way that this society has kind of crumbled a little bit. Mm -hmm. They tell us about this open mic night that began existing because it was a way for them to unite the, the South and the North Chumsvillians. And so the whole premise of the show is that we're watching this open mic night and it's hosted sort of by the two guys in blazers <laughs> and they're kind of playing the same character at once. Mm. And ah. it means that they can kind of like introduce the next performer that is played by the other one. That's great. You know? So it's like, I'm here's me in. and this is him. And then, then they can, you know, swap around. Are they, are they meant to be like one from North and one from South? Is that the vibe? No, it's like literally one guy. Oh, I think they, his name's Graham or something. Character. And okay, they're like, yeah, right. we're Graham. It's something like that. We're Graham. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. And yeah, so then, yeah. And it's it, immediately such a neat premise of like the idea of seeing almost like a variety show. That By two, two people. But the two people are Yeah, doing. that's great. I yeah, like that a lot. It's a really cool little framing device. Um, yeah, and then obviously with it being with that being the structure, I'm not just gonna like run through and spoil the whole thing mm. because that seems impolite. <laughs> yeah, is my take That's on that. Fine. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna tell you like my highlight moments that I really liked. Yes, please. Um, uh, yeah, first off, the two guys are so delightful. Mm. I just want to say that, and I'll keep coming back to that probably because <laughs> it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start with something for you, Thank just you as a little so treat much. for listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm talking to James specifically, not you, sweet sweet podcast also, listener. This will give you an idea of what Jake thinks of me. Yes. Get yep. ready to hear some rough insults, fart jokes. <laughs> um, there's this woman. There's this woman that comes out. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I enjoyed part of what I liked about the framing device was it was unclear what. The judges were looking for in this open mic night. I think maybe they said that there isn't a winner, but it's like it was funny to think that these people wanted to get on stage and do these things, thinking that it showcased something worth watching. Because this woman comes out, she's the butcher, like she works as the butcher, and she comes out and just like has a bunch of wordplay puns about the things they sell at the butcher. Okay. (laughs) And I was sitting there being like, I like this a lot. James would be laughing a lot more. I'm into it. I like that she's a butcher. I like that there are puns. Yeah. No, it was terrific. So she just came out and just had a bunch of like really solid wordplay. And famously, I despise that craft. Love wordplay. Exactly. See? So good this... wordplay is good wordplay is good wordplay. Yeah, so yeah, that was really a great for you. But yeah, so so you could say it was the choice cut. See, that is the sort of oh! but it was that. But imagine that for like four minutes, and every single one I was like, that was well put together. Heaven, heaven, <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, um, so one that I think perfectly bridged our tastes as one. <laughs> it was a sexy, sexy man being set on fire. Oh my god. Um, this, so the, I don't know how to explain it to you. So okay. it's like the. <laughs> this song starts playing you know this is how we do it oh. that song yep. starts playing yep. Yep. and then from out of the back curtains comes a guy and his name is how we do it <laughs> <laughs> and his whole talent is mansplaining things <laughs> yeah. okay good good I, lo- I love I mean this yeah. is how we do it so it's all just 
him being rude <laughs> about like women being sort of like I don't know women being stupid and men being smart. <laughs> it's obviously like terrible. Yeah, not a thing I'm endorsing. But, but it was like he would have these terrific, atrocious things he'd say, and then it would just be like this is how we do it. <laughs> It was so funny. <laughs> that's great. Okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, that is um, good. That's yeah, us. I think that yeah was a really great moment of seeing um, William L. Boyd so being really, really funny. And another thing of William being really great was one of the really early characters was this girl named Chikorita. <laughs> <laughs> and she was sitting at her, pi- at her piano in this like a little flower crown. <laughs> and she starts singing this song about this recent heartbreak that she went through. Um, and I just thought it was super funny because, you know, not just Will's delivery of everything was really, really funny in the way that this, like, kind of, like, trashy, tragic figure was telling the story, but also the way that, like, it came out of his mouth. Like, if Taylor Swift had no talent but the same amount of passion. <laughs> I don't like Taylor Swift. You don't like Taylor Swift? Well, like we Taylor can't Swift. fall down that rabbit hole. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. I just, that's the wrong, I don't. Like Taylor Swift. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was, yeah, I don't really, really worth a mention. My right. favourite oh. moment. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. Oh, my God. I, I, Jake's whole body is just tensed up. <laughs> Shut up. It was like this Dunstan's really, off the hook. Oh, my God. It felt like it was almost from a different show. <laughs> this character came out and his name was Gorgonzola. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and he was a gondolier. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgonzola the gondolier. <laughs> and he, like, up there. Yeah, so, and Connor Dariel comes out. With, like, the little, like, paddle for... Yep. So, in the striped shirt that gondoliers wear... Yep. The, the oar you use to drive a gondola... <laughs> steer. Steer you a gondola. drive a boat, you steer the boat. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. I have been to Venice and retained very little of the words. Venice was in Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, look at us! Mm. Connecting our interests. It's nice, <laughs> Venice. World travel and superheroes. Yeah, yeah, multiverse. <laughs> God, I hate to travel. <laughs> I, um, yeah, so he comes out playing Gorgonzola the Gondolier, stripy top, paddle <laughs> for steering the boat. Thank you. And then the paddle doubles as a microphone stand. So the microphone is sitting at the top of this paddle while he's rowing around the stage, singing this... Connor Dariel's voice is so pretty. Yeah. It's just this kind of like, yeah... I can't describe a singing voice, but it's it's really I would yeah Sing. I would love to. He's one of those people I would love to just hand a bunch of songs to and make him sing them to me. Sure, yeah. sure. Was it like an original song or was it like a? That's my understanding. Yes, sure. I think every, yeah, I think all the music except for this is how we do it was original music. <laughs> um, yeah, but then he sort of like just rose around the stage singing about you know the the life that he has. I barely even listened to the words because it's just so pretty. And then at the end, he has this tragic ending to it all. I was like, this you this, have fallen in love. That's the was, sort of thing Jake Stewart falls in love with. Oh my god! Immediately, it was. Really, like, and I felt for some reason that I was having a very like lonely experience of finding this this Gorgonzola part so moving. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, for all the reasons that you're saying, but yeah, it was. Do you think that was the case? Do you think people were into it? Yeah, oh, people were absolutely into the show. I don't know how many people, Gorgonzola. I don't know how many people were moved by Gorgonzola. I think I was definitely the most moved by Gorgonzola. What about when you saw the show, though? <laughs> Jake loves eating cheese. <laughs> um, and just and just to get hung up on Connor Dariol for a second, there, this part happened, and I'd be interested to like know your thoughts on this like mm. comedic thing. Of he came out at one point playing Connor Dariol, like playing himself, yep. and he read from this book that he wrote when he was in grade four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, good. So your response is like, oh, that's so sweet. That's, I'm already very, I'm already very into this. Yeah. Oh, great, good. Yeah. Because th- that, as a premise, to me, I'm pretty cold and skeptical about. Oh, really? Well, just just in the sense, everyone has a childhood, and we can all like be like, oh, children are so dumb and strange. Yeah, you know. So, and for, and because there's also like you know that whole trope. It's a relatively contemporary trope of like a comedian having a PowerPoint presentation and sort of like just dicking around and talking through you know, lame stuff from their childhood. Oh, stuff. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that it can just be kind of like done and easy. Yes. But this one, <laughs> so it happened to be like three quarters of the way through the show and he sits down and it's like a play school energy and he's reading from this book. But it worked and it was like sweet and funny and really, really engaging. Not just because Connor Dariel's just a very charismatic person, but also I'd say cleverly dramaturgically by this point, just by virtue of who Connor is, and just the way that the show functions and showcases the two personalities of the two guys. By this point, I, I was like 
into whoever Connor seems to be, like whatever mm. version I've invented that this guy is. Whatever version he's putting on the stage. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever at this point me as an audience member has come to understand who Connor is as a human. Yeah. I'm in, like, I'm, I'm invested in who this guy is. Like, so to oh, hear about his childhood. Yeah, so at this point I do want to know like, oh, what did this guy, who I know I don't know, but feel like I do a little bit and yeah. I think he's great, be like, oh, what was he like when he was in grade four? I wonder what book he wrote. You see, that, that's why I like seeing... Like, I like seeing it on stage when people do that sort of thing. Because, yes, everyone has that childhood story that you spoke about. But it's like, not everyone puts it on stage. Sure. Not everyone talks about it publicly. Mm-hmm. You know? So it might as well not exist to anyone else. So people do get up on stage and, like, talk about it so openly like that. I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, there is a generosity to that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I think there yeah. is. Yeah, I really appreciated it. They seem like really talented, sweet guys. Yeah. Um, I think that's most of what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good intro, solid start. Yep, I felt it in my body and just wanted to let it out. <laughs> Next time, keep it in. <laughs> um, I saw another show. Um, I went to the Butterfly Club. I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the one. Uh, went to it. Sweet, sweet cabaret venue. Ran mm-hmm. into Jack Beebe, who works the front desk there. Jack Beebe. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, and then also ran into Kurt, who works in the bar. So oh, I knew half the stuff. Oh my god, <laughs> that's great. Anyway, whiz past all that. That was all, they, they were very sweet run-ins, because again, I was there alone. So it was nice to have people to talk By to. By choice. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe you. There are people that wouldn't, but I do. Mm, yeah, thank you, James. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I went there to see Greece Lightning. Greece spelt like the country. Okay. You know there's a country called Greece. Yes, no, I'm putting it together. I, yeah. yeah. After my Czech Republic incident yes. right now. <laughs> I know what Greece is. Yeah, don't pull a Czech Republic on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that would be a different thing. It could be. Next week, be. we'll do some research <laughs> into what that phrase could mean. <laughs> and we take it all back. <laughs> uh, yeah, Grease Lightning by Gary Starr. It's like a one-man sure. show called Grease Lightning. Is Gary Starr the performer's name or the, the like... Because Gary Starr is a great name. That's like a, a name you would choose as a stage performer. Oh, sure. I think my guess is that he chose it as a stage name, right. but maybe he yeah fell out of his mother and she was like, Gary Starr. You don't know how birth works, do mm-hmm. you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, went went inside, sat down at the Butterfly Club to watch Grease Lightning. Then immediately it begins. Uh-huh. And it's, oh my God, from the get-go, it's like full-blown audience participation. <laughs> Oh no. I. <laughs> oh no. Okay. And like, uh, yeah. was, was there any foreshadowing of this in the publicity? Look, I didn't want to look too much into the like publicity. Um, Gary Starr is a person that I came across because Instagram kept insisting him upon me, which I was grateful for because, like, by all accounts, even before seeing the show, it was like, oh, this guy seems really talented. He's like touring around the world, doing cabaret performances and whatnot. Like, he's. I really wanted to see his show because it seems like. People love the work. He loves doing it. I was like, oh, I'm going to check this thing out. I, yeah, no, nothing had warned me for what was in store in terms of having to do something. What row were you sitting in? I was in row because I was alone at a comedy festival show. So I'm not going to choose the front row because of this exact concern. Yes, good. And you show as well. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So I sat, you know, <laughs> to describe it. A seating plan. <laughs> upstairs or downstairs venue? It was the upstairs one. Okay. So it was like the long, narrow one with like the vague raked that seating. feels like a church. Sure. Yep. So I was like, you know how it's like starts flat in the seating mm-hmm. and then there's like a little risen platform. Yep. I was like the front row of the risen part. Ooh, okay. Yeah. okay. So I was like sitting on this Safe, little... but you're still very visible. Yes. So I was like sitting on this pew by myself. I was, I expected someone to be sitting next to me. So I looked less exposed. Um, but I was alone. <laughs> alone oh. on this little three-seater pew because oh. no one wanted to sit next to me. Even though I thought me and a guy in the foyer had a moment. <laughs> but that's fine. That's not how moments work. No, it's also not how the foyer really worked. Because I was because I was by myself and I got there early again and Kurt had to work so I couldn't keep talking to him. Yeah. I had to read my book by a lamp. <laughs> in the Butterfly Club, you would have looked like a wanker. You would have looked like a an wanker? absolute wanker reading your book in the Butterfly Club. I thought he just would have looked I'm like an sorry, introvert. people that go... That, <laughs> Add it to the list. People that go and like go to see a show and like pull out a... It's, like, it's the same energy to me of people who read books while walking. James, first... No, you shouldn't read books while walking. That that's dangerous. Me. That's 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 dangerous. What's wrong stupid. with reading a book in the foyer of a theatre? Look, when you say it back to me, it sounds pedantic and stupid, but there's something about the energy of, of, of doing that that to me feels... I think this is absolutely a me thing. I think it's absolutely a me thing. I think it's just... um, It feels very like, I'm smart. 
I'm reading a book. James, this feels like it's coming from a place of insecurity. No, I read. Do you see people reading books in public and think, I could do that? Not in public. <laughs> well, no, because I can't read. But no, people in public, that's fine. But like, I don't know, something about reading... Like we've spoken about, the pre-show of a show feels like a sacred sort of space. And I feel like to read a book in that space almost feels like... Hurry up, let's go, let's go. It's it's in the foyer. You're waiting. It's not, I'm not reading it in the in the theatre. Yeah, you know, I take all of this back immediately. And why did the Butterfly Club put lamps in their decor if they didn't want me reading by They're them? They're dim lamps at best. They're dim I know, lamps. I have to get to, pretty close yes. to the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> the lamps to have like little cheese boards and glasses of wine by and talk gossip. Then what else was I supposed to do? Start conversations Look with Look at randoms? Instagram like everyone else. Oh my god, but I, I had a book to read. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. um... Yeah, so in there, and it's like, it starts off. Um, and yeah, so the premise of the whole show is that he's going to do all of Greek mythology by himself, is the idea. Okay, yeah. alright. Um, it's quite an undertaking. It's quite an undertaking. There's he's, a lot to do. He's done something similar before where I believe he did like all of theatre by himself. Um, what? Yeah, he's done a lot of these shows where he like packs a lot in and part of it is, it oh. is like the challenge of getting it like the Gary, the Gary Starr Thing. It's a formula he's done before, apparently. Okay. But again, this is the first of his shows that I've seen. Sure. Um, yeah, and the premise is like he's trying to convince people to, vi- to visit Greece because of their financial situation. He's like, you should go to Greece. Is Greece still having a huge financial situation? <laughs> no, we've got to stop. We've got to stop. <laughs> we doing just this. found out about the Czech Republic. I don't know if I. 10.7 million people? Yes. And we love you all. Yeah, every single one of you. Um, <laughs> I'd like to dedicate this episode to the Czech people. <laughs> What was I saying? Yeah. So he's going to go through all of Greek mythology. So incorporating things like Icarus and Atlas and etc. But it's like... Uh, Those uh, are the two. <laughs> etc. is the third one. And like Poseidon, you know, the, the greatest. Yes, hits. I know. The, yeah. Um, but it, it's like one of the first things he does is like start handing out props that people will have to use during the show oh, in different parts that's of like it. like handing a loaded gun to a toddler. I have. James, okay. oh, it was that's truly... terrifying. Did he I, give you one? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like... He tried, but I punched him. My God, James, the fear that was inside of me because I was just like... The show started at 11.30, so I'd already worn out all of my, like, social energy. Oh, God. <laughs> I think, or something. I had to justify... Because I don't think I've felt that anxious in a theatre in recorded history. <laughs> God. And I know this is my fault. It's not a criticism of Gary, because everyone else, it seemed, was so into it. Because they probably knew what was going to happen going Like, in. maybe. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. But I just... Because I've just never been a person to want to be audience interacted with. Um, <laughs> I was so afraid. <laughs> yeah, that one time we went to see a show and uh, I think we saw, um, oh God, what was it? Oh, when we went to see those three plays in a row in that three church. Three one-man shows in a row. Yes. And he like called on you for like one moment to, to literally say one, I think he said like, what's your favorite Britney Spears song? He asked and me And you responded, uh, he not asked sure. Me, he, he was like, are you more into Beyonce or Rihanna? That's right. And I said, neither. <laughs> Like, and his response Just big one He made me feel like I'd ruined the show Well you, could, you sort of did All you needed to do Was say Beyonce Or Rihanna Well neither Hey <laughs> If you want me to lie Tell me to lie <laughs> oh. um, But yeah No so he was handing out like, The point is Jake Stewart is famously not Into audience participation And also quite bad at it Yes I am bad at it yeah. I never claimed that I was good at it And it's not as if I'm volunteering And then buckling under the pressure I'm like true. Let the others do it Yeah true, yeah, um, true. And I, uh, Gary seems very good at this So maybe he spotted the fear in my eyes And I was like I'm not going to hand this man giant scissors uh-huh. But yeah No he But Adam was like It was a cavalcade of props It was like oh, More god. than ten of them Oh my god like, yeah. What sort of props are we talking about? Um, big scissors There were like a bunch of Like things that were made to look like raw meat There was a helmet mm. There were yeah. There okay, was, wow. There's like a real, real variety. A variety, yeah. Um, and it was and people were gonna. Get, like, it wasn't as if there was just like one big sweeping. We all got called on at one time. It was gonna be like throughout the show, different people will get called on to come up and that's, be involved. That's a nightmare to me. That's horrifying. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because there's like a ticking time bomb in your hand. You don't know when it's gonna go off. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. All right. But yeah. No. But then it starts and yeah, Gary just proceeds to be like a, like a marvelously competent. Um, yeah, just stage guy. You can see why stage people guy. are just like super into the stuff that he does. Mm. He just he's just like this very confident, charming weirdo. Um, yeah, yeah, and in that way, it was once once I became relatively sure that I wasn't going to have to go up there and like sing a duet or something. <laughs> I was like, okay, good, I can turn Relax. enough of my anxiety off to just you know lean into the entertainment. Yeah, great. Yeah, and again, everyone. To generalize, it felt like everyone was really there for everything he was putting forth, which wow. was really wonderful. That's it was great. I wish I could have just been like a little insect and enjoyed what the what was happening in that theater because everyone was like 
super keen, you super were, into it. But you were in the theater. I was in the theater, enjoyed but it. I wish I could have, because if I could forget about me being visible and being someone that was able to be handed something to have oh to do. Oh my God. If okay. I could have just been, if I'd just been taken off the table as far as a potential participant, I would have the loved perks it. of being a wallflower. Uh, indeed. I get the appeal now. Mm. Yeah. Did someone die in that? I didn't see it because it looked like it would make me too sad. Also, it was a book. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I wish I could have just experienced it from the outside because it was really wonderful to see people so into a show and oh, just like sure. laughing so happily. What night of the week was this? It was like, well, could not tell you. I feel like it was a Tuesday. Got to have that sort of vibe and energy on a Tuesday. Yeah, it was really wonderful. Yeah, and right. it was really a really nice moment of like, oh, this is how the comedy festival can feel. Yeah, and I guess also just a like... testament to Gary as a performer that he probably has that following. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Um, yeah, so wild. Um, just because it's me seeing the show, an element that I came away with, and just like, as we've talked about and things that I've done with, like, with my art in the past, mm. um, an element of his show. And I think too, because this, obviously this podcast began as... And still continues to be something that's almost a response to the way that theatre is talked about. Yeah. Um, throughout the show, he starts off in like this like Greek skirt. Then he gets into like this loincloth thing. And then he ends up naked by the end of the show. Mm. And as I've told to you and anyone that will talk to me about it, male nudity is a thing that it, I, I've, to me is a really interesting theatrical at, like component to add to a show. And, the, yeah. and when it's inserted, like, I just have, have no... What? Inserted. James! <laughs> Sorry. Um... And, and yeah, Gary does it really playfully and it's, it's a really, and it, it, it seems it's a thing that he's incorporated into shows before. Okay. And, oh my God, I just find it so boring. And this is not a, like a Grease Lightning specific thing to talk about, but it is in the sense that it's popped up in a few reviews that I've since read about the show. The way that male nudity is talked about in theatre reviews, it's always plopped in as such like a, oh, and there's dicks. Ha 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 ha. Oh, really? Always. If, what do you mean? In just the way that I'm saying, like, it feels like it's a thing that people like, it's always just like this, this clunky standalone sentence where it's added in to be like, oh, and if you like penises, you'll like this too. Oh my God. Or it's God. like, oh, and be warned, there's cocks. <laughs> it's like, Is it just because people are afraid to talk about male nudity? I think so. And it's like, a joke? Uh, completely. Yeah. I, I think absolutely. And I certainly, I used to have the mindset when I was probably like 19 or something and first like started grappling with these things while I was, you know, studying theater making and whatnot. Um, and realized I wanted to make like queer work and stuff about the male form and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and people, I've really had this resentment about people using the male form as comedy yeah. and people laughing at things like naked men or at like penises or all these things. Um, I've since sort of like, you know, my, my feelings about these things have changed just as far as being like, it can be a device for anything. Yeah. Like whatever it elicits, like it's, it's true. You know, yeah. if an audience feels it, it means that there is something there and they're feeling it for a reason. And it's interesting because, sorry to just kind of cross you, but yeah. even like, just thinking about like female nudity in comparison is so often portrayed as a symbol of power sometimes like like you, you well when they're not being objectified well absolutely like, yeah. that's the obvious one but like so I feel like more recently for a woman to be nude is to sort of be seen as like bare and empowering I'd say that absolutely is true somehow my brain is telling me to say mm -hmm. that it's different with women the, the difference between theatre and screen it yeah. seems like the history of women on cinema and the way that even like the current conversation around women in cinema and in television and their nudity, it's like that that's where the real objectification has happened. Whereas like on stage, yes. there's like things like Debbie does Dallas, but otherwise it seems like women on stage when they're naked tends to be more about like maternity or about, yeah, yeah as you're saying, about power, power. or about like, oftentimes it's yeah to, about the Greeks, you know, about yeah. mythology and and that's just you're absolutely you know right. and so like true. child rearing and feminine energy and mm. those things. At least, whereas I feel like on screen or stage, male nudity is either a joke or just like and rare as well. Yeah, rare. You know? and on screen, I think at the moment it's so much more as like, look, we're we've got a naked men. We're we're also like everyone else. It's really getting trendy lately. Yeah, exactly. Which is exciting on screen. Like, and I think, oddly, maybe it's just because of, like, the, the conversations that I'm privy to. Euphoria privy. has... Privy. Euphoria has begot some mm. really interesting discussions around nudity. Um, even outside of talking about sexualizing teenagers, which is a whole separate thing. Yeah. But even the, the conversations around, like, Sydney Sweeney talking about her comfort levels with getting naked on screen and her talking with Sam Levinson about when they thought, like, felt it was appropriate and determining that as a pair... 
Um, and then obviously like the prevalence of even just penises in Euphoria as a show, like especially the second season and, and the way that they exist in that world as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's quite telling that one of the only major, cause I, I famously have not seen Euphoria. Yeah. Um, and I feel like one of the only things that I've seen of Euphoria has been like, obviously all the main sort of women screaming at each other. Yeah. But like also just gifts of the, the penises, like gifts of men's dicks out sure. presented as like a joke. Mm. And that is just, I think, quite telling of the way the world sees male nudity in general. Because even if it was presented as a serious way mm. in the show, it's been sort of regurgitated back to me, who hasn't seen the show, as like, oh my god, look at this dick! Oh, sure. And I yeah. just find that a bit, oh, for fuck's sake. Sure. Well, even just for a moment more, yeah, that is interesting. If, just to dwell on your forest for just one more second. Mm. Even thinking about, yeah, just thinking about the second season, and your dicks featured in the second season of Euphoria... <laughs> Um, do we do the segment theme song? <laughs> dicks. There's a sequence about like Nate's dad when he was younger, mm. um, and like this like gay romance he had when he was in high school, which of course for so many reasons destroyed me yeah. watching this story take place. But there's a sequence where the two guys are like in a shower together, and there's like these lingering shots of their like naked manness, and th- th- those moments really played into and rounded out the complex sexual romantic psychological bond these two men had oh it's like that's and that was really emblematic of why i continue to believe that there is such a space for the male body to be an interesting ingredient in storytelling mm. and when it's reduced by people that want to talk about theater to a throwaway line about like btw there's cox yeah it's like why is that seemingly the, the depth to which so many people seem willing to scratch when it comes to exploring these things. And why is it also seemingly as often that people treat nudity like it's this like flippant inclusion that isn't worth dissection. On the flip side, it's oftentimes considered exploitative or cheap mm. or just a way to sell tickets to something. And it's like, what the fuck? How, how is this the level of maturity that again, especially people that want to make their living or some element of their career out of theatrical discourse, they're not willing to give artists a bit more credit or to explore their own opinion of nudity and sexuality when it's presented to them in theatre. God. You know? A person's yeah. offered their body forth to you, and your response to that is, lol, lol, lol. But I, wanna, okay, I think it's also so much of it is so many reviewers are male. Sure. And I think it is a classic, almost cisgender straight man thing of... Straight oh, guys think dicks are funny. Because if they don't think not, they're funny, they're gay. Well, you, well that's it. That's it. So if, if I talk about this seriously, mm. then people are going to think I'm gay. Or like, I can't talk about this because I don't know why that... It just feels like that's the prevalent vibe of reviewing sure. when it comes to naked men. Yeah. It is absolutely that sort of idea of, I can't talk about this seriously because then people will think that I'm... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It just really, I, I, I agree with you completely. It's just so shit. Mm. It's very shit. But it's nice to hear, did Gary, like, was Gary, present, I almost said Gary Glitter. Gary Starr. Yeah. Um, was it, how did he present the nudity? Um, oh, it kind of like happened like he was getting gradually undressed throughout the show. Yeah. Just as the way the scenes progressed and by the end he sort of like, not to spoil it, but a lot of this is in the reviews that I've read. Um, there's like a, this sort of like, <laughs> sort of like beautiful, very theatrical, very like mythological moment mm. that ends with him being naked and mm. then the show sort of ends. And then as is common with the end of comedy festival shows, he then stands up and talks about other shows that he recommends you see. Mm. Thanks you for coming. There's kind of like that five minute spiel that he's also naked for at the end. Oh my God, that's so and, nice. And, yeah. And me just sitting there, it was like, I was just so grateful. Like, cause I, I don't know the, as far as like my own relationship with my body and other people's with theirs, it's like, it's so wonderful to see someone so comfortable in their body yeah. and on stage offering being so generous with what they're doing and anytime you see anybody carrying themselves in a way that looks like they don't hate themselves corporeally you know like especially in 2022 where we're still you know being told by all of social media to be hot or you're irrelevant Mm. it's like it's it's really wonderful and of course gary is like stunningly handsome so so that that, i'm sure that that plays into him being able to do this and to be so confident in himself um so yeah so it was just like refreshing and cool to see nice so nice and it was and it was also like and maybe this is like a side issue not a side issue a side topic Uh, (laughs) but and maybe it's more about me than the show but there's something so appealing and delightful about somebody, you know, loving their body and being willing to show it to people and doing so in a comic, like, comic pretense. Yeah. Maybe it's an evolved version of why a sense of humor is attractive. And to sure. tether that yeah, yeah, yeah. to your, to your bodily existence. Yeah. And it's like, and to, and to use your, like, your most exposed physical self as an ingredient in telling a comic thing in, like, in, in, a, in a comic world. Yeah. There's just a real sweetness to it. 
and there's I don't know almost like a, like a real it's just you it's yeah it's just it's you just it's them. almost I don't know maybe yeah maybe there's something really rudimentary about uh, about why that's like there's literally nothing between you and them yeah and it's like this is all I've got this is a story I'm telling you and now I'm just hanging out with you yeah um the fact that they did the um, five minute little spiel at the end naked is so lovely yeah it was really cute mm. it was nice um yeah yeah he just seems like a really beautiful talented great guy And that was uh, that was three shows that you saw. That was a uh, good time. I liked that. I like th- this is the ending of the episode, everyone. That I'm now wrapping up. Oh yeah, that's why you've got your wrapping up hat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if I don't have my wrapping up hat, how do people know that we're wrapping up? Yep, <laughs> that's the joke. Um, that's great. Are you seeing any other shows coming up? I hope so. You always ask me that, as if I plan my life that far in advance. Well, most people do. Well, I'm not most people. No. And that's why I will now sing you this song. About how different I am. Most people <laughs> like spaghetti, but what most people oh, tend oh, to forget is that most people. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> called your bluff, didn't I? <laughs> you did. That was actually, good song. I was getting into that forgetty. Um, forgetty, much the spaghetti. Um, I'm not seeing any shows that I know of, but I'm going to plan to see some, I guess. <laughs> did you just reprimand me for not planning in advance and then you had also done the same thing? Yeah, but I'm me. Great. I'm sexy. Um, terrific. Is there anything else you want to say before we push this ship back into the sea? I guess just the classic friends don't let friends become theatre critics. And that we all may... And that we already may disagree with the things that we have said. There are definitely a few things this episode that I, I, I don't agree with. Do you want to pick one? Just <laughs> throw a dart. Pick any of them. I'm controversial. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope yeah. you have a wonderful whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah thank you so much for a, coming along. On a plane, on a train, on, on a, in Spain or not in Spain, whether you're whether you're on a beach. Jake, do you want to add to this? No, I, I barely want to participate as much as I am. Okay, well, that's, that's <laughs> hopeful. That's extremely hopeful. But that's